question, what kind of cities do we want to live in? How do we want our cities to be? Cannot be divorced from the question of what kind of people we want to be. What kind of humanity we wish to create amongst ourselves and how we want to create it. And it is that mutual constitution of the city and who we are and what we are that is something which is, I think, again, very important to reflect upon. This is The City, an hour dedicated to a critical discussion of urban issues. Welcome to the program here on CITR 101.9 FM, CITR.ca, and syndicated on CJSF 90.1 FM, and available as a podcast at thecityfm.org. I'm Andy Longhurst. Thanks so much for tuning in. On the program, an in-depth discussion about the state of public education in Vancouver and across BC with longtime public education advocate and former Vancouver School Board trustee Jane Bowie. What are we to make of the current dispute between BC teachers and the BC government? What are teachers fighting for, and why do class composition and classroom supports matter in this dispute? And is there enough attention paid to our schools at the local level? We'll be discussing these questions and much more. You're tuned into The City, an hour dedicated to critical urban discussions. Stay with us.
All right. This is the city here on CITR 101.9 FM, CITR.ca, and we're syndicated on CJSF 90.1 FM, and that's CJSF.ca coming from Burnaby Mountain. And uh, you may also be listening to this as a podcast at thecityfm.org or off of... uh, uh, the CITR.ca website or even the CJSF uh, website. So however you're finding the program, thank you so much for tuning in. On the program, we have uh, quite a, uh, a great show lined up for you today. Um, and, uh, and again, thanks for tuning in. It's, uh, it's great to have you with me um, on the hour. And I guess I should also mention that great track was Synth Cake, Vancouver-based band, uh, with their uh, track Sail Away. So I hope you enjoyed that. Jane Bowie is a longtime public education advocate and former Vancouver School Board trustee, and I spoke with Jane Bowie on March 26th uh, about the state of public education in Vancouver and uh, more broadly across, across the province, across British Columbia. And we discussed why the current BC teacher's job action and round of bargaining is significant and why it demands our attention. So that conversation over the course of the hour, um, and we're going to dive in uh, deeply to a lot of these issues that you may have heard um, only in a very limited way, but I think it, it deserves um, our attention, and I think it's a good uh, opportunity to explore some of these issues in depth from somebody who has been uh, working as a longtime advocate around a number of these issues. So thank you so much for tuning in. This is The City, Jane Bowie on The City, an hour dedicated to critical urban discussions. So I want to start by asking you, as a former school board, Vancouver School Board trustee, uh, to reflect on the state of public education here in BC, and particularly in the Vancouver School District. Yeah, um, I guess as a former trustee, you would, and uh, someone that's been active in um, fighting for public education for a couple of decades now here in the province, is the fact that I think that we have a provincial government that is intent on systematically um, undermining the public confidence in public education by underfunding it, by um, attacking teachers, and generally causing chaos in the system. And this is something that gets worse at times and uh, better at, you know, and less worse (laughs) Mm -hmm. at, at times. But it's 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 been a been a trend and uh, uh, and I think it's part part of of uh, their overall ideological outlook on in terms of public education. What do you make of the the current uh, job action right now and and the way that the the province and the employer um, have been have been uh, dealing with it? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's important for the public to understand that um, that years ago, teachers uh, chose to uh, fight for learning conditions in terms of class size and composition, and put that ahead of salary demands. Um, and you know, the, the those were reflected in the contracts that the provincial government tore up. Um, as the courts determined later illegally. And so now teachers are in this spot where not only are are the issues of the learning conditions, the class size and compositions in the schools, um, you know, not not dealt with, not protected. Um, you also have them, you know, way behind in terms of of salary, in terms of other other um, provinces. So it's 
they've they've had a double whammy under under the liberals of of uh, both uh, not having the salary levels that teachers have in other provinces, but also um, having in, you know, worsening conditions in terms of class size and and composition. You're also a parent and have dealt with a lot of uh, the the state and the the cuts to public education. Can you talk specifically about your your own experience around um, supports and classrooms and uh, just generally um, how how you found um, the dealing with the lack of supports or declining um, services and classrooms? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I got involved in 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 fighting for public education as a parent of a special needs child. And, and when I, you know, advocated for him individually, it became quickly apparent that if I was successful, his support came at the expense of other kids. So it was clear to me that there was a systemic issue of, of underfunding and lack of resources to support um, not just kids with special needs, but any, you know, a whole number of challenges in the system. Um, so I, you know, I, I started to take it on as more of a, of a systemic issue and, and working to improve the situation of public education um, throughout the province. But one of the frustrating things is that, uh, you know, I, in, in all the years that I fought so hard, particularly for, for support for kids with special needs, but uh, also for things like increased counseling services for all students, uh, increased uh, support for students with English as a second language, um, you know, improvements in, in libraries and, and uh, fine arts and, you know, the, the, whole, the whole kit and caboodle, those things all actually have gotten much worse over the years. The only thing I would say that, that uh, has improved has been um, an understanding of, of, uh, around the issues of, of combating uh, homophobia and transphobia in schools. That, that's improved over the years. Um, but the ability of districts even then to really um, do what could be done in terms of making schools safer, more welcoming places for all students, is undermined by the by the lack of resources and supports um, that are there in the schools. So, it, while there's you know there's been some major steps ahead, it, even you know even where those steps ahead have have happened, um, it's been difficult to to do it uh, as well as 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 we could. I guess it's like there's a, an extraordinary potential for public education to be such a strong force for democracy in our society and as long as as it continues to be undermined that potential is is diminished how would you characterize the way that the vancouver school board has has handled um the the current climate well i think that they've um, you know they've they've worked hard um at making it clear um where the problem lies they've uh uh, been very um, uh, through through their chairperson have been very um, um, articulate in terms of of making it clear that the issue is underfunding and where that underfunding um, lies and what the consequences of that underfunding have been um, and you know I think that they've done an excellent job of that I think if I have any criticism it's that you know it would have been helpful perhaps to have had the voices of other trustees 
heard um, rather than simply solely the the uh, Patty Backus, the chairperson, who is an extraordinary advocate for public education, not to take anything away from her, but it makes it easy, I think, for the for the province to um, to play it in the media as if it's just one grunt, you know, disgruntled, uh, politically minded trustee in Vancouver that's you know that's raising these issues, and um, there's. There's more trustees than that in Vancouver that feel that way, and if you'd even heard more of their voices, uh, not to mention the voices of trustees around the province, it it, uh, it might have more impact. But as I said, she's she's an extraordinarily um, articulate uh, uh, defender of public education. The other thing, though, is that that um, I think perhaps partly because. They've been um, such vocal defenders of public education and advocates that there hasn't been the same kind of uh, building of, uh, you know, more of a grassroots kind of movement in support of public education as we've seen in the past. And, you know, in the early 2000s, there was, you know, a a pretty massive mobilization of of parents and community members in support of public education. that was very visible and and effective, um, but what what would it take to? Sorry, what would it take to? to have that happen again? Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I it's one of those things that that I look at. I mean, I think it takes um, a number of 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 things. It takes you know a few key a few key parents. Um, with the energy and time to commit to to uh, to working on that, and that's hard to find in a particularly in Vancouver where the cost of living is so high and um, people are stretched so thin um, for for people to have time mm-hmm. and energy to do that is is really is really hard. Um, I also think that those that have been active in the past a lot a lot of us are tired. You know, mm-hmm. it's and I think the province knows that and relies on that, um, you know, the constant attacks, not just on public education, but on all our public services and on, um, you know, social assistance. And, you know, the the yeah. list just goes on and on that it, it makes people doubt the effectiveness of that kind of organizing. But I would say that you could point to the effectiveness of, of that kind of organizing by saying that in 2005, after years of that organizing and the election of a, of a you know, a really strong vocal COPE board, the two things combined, um, the province actually increased funding and in Vancouver, it's the one year um, in the last 15 years where there was actually, um, uh, they didn't have to be cut. There was mm-hmm. a six million dollars extra funding in Vancouver, and but right across the province. Are you are you hopeful that there's a a, a younger generation, a new generation of of teacher activists and and general public uh, activists, parents, um, just other people that aren't necessarily teachers, but that are strong advocates and uh, are willing to to be on the front lines to support and to stand for public education in the province? Do you see that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I do see that. Um, there is a, uh, you know, there's a, there does seem to be a a, a new uh, younger generation um, that are taking this on. I've you know I've seen the, 
some online um, activity and uh, and uh, organizing that went on around the the budget um, which in Vancouver a lot of the organizing around the budget unfortunately tended to be just don't cut my thing um, rather than you know fund education which <laughs> mm-hmm. fund all programs which which would be you know which would be what I prefer but there there were some parents beginning to understand um that that was the situation and uh, you know it's it's always difficult i think sometimes when it's a crisis time for people to see beyond exactly you know how this affects their own child but um i think as happened to me um people can see beyond that once they hear other people's stories and recognize what's what's actually at stake people people move beyond that you know and it it's it, it it is. It's going to take uh, parents and teachers and uh, support staff and um, and community members as a whole to uh, to get together to recognize what it is we're facing and uh, what's at stake. I'd say that the situation is worse now than than it's ever been. Mm-hmm. The what's at stake right now is truly the future of public education in the province. Are you... the, the next three, the next three years, in in terms, because they're they're saying that that uh, budgets are frozen for three years. So Vancouver itself, you know, this year was very difficult. They're looking at even, you know, more massive cuts the following two years. And I, the staff are, I know, there are scratching their heads trying to figure out how it can possibly be done without, you know, eliminating, you know, whole programs mm-hmm. and. Um, Whisper to me stories of a raven, caca, 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 and how with mighty wings it.
and this is The City here on CITR 101.9 FM, CITR.ca, and syndicated on CJSF 90.1 FM. Also available as a podcast at thecityfm.org. I'm Andy Longhurst. Thanks so much for tuning in. On the program, we're discussing the current situation in the state of public education in British Columbia, and specifically in Vancouver. And uh, we're going to continue with an in-depth conversation with Jane Bowie. And Jane Bowie is a longtime public education advocate and former Vancouver School Board trustee. And I spoke with Jane Bowie on May 26th. And we're going to continue the conversation uh, discussing uh, the current uh, job action um, involving uh, BC teachers and the response from the provincial government. uh, And also, additionally, uh, some of her work and uh, some of the um, particularly important work in uh, Vancouver schools around um, uh, inclusion policies, gender identity, um, and uh, homophobia and, and transphobia issues uh, facing schools. So we're going to continue that conversation now. This is The City. Now we're dedicated to critical urban discussions. We're here live Tuesdays 5 to 6 p.m. on CITR 101.9 FM and uh, syndicated on CJSF 90.1 FM on Fridays 10 to 11 a.m. So thanks so much for tuning in. We're going to continue with that conversation. Are, are you optimistic that there there can be a resolution um, to to this job action that doesn't mean um, n- you know no no increases in in wages and and mm-hmm. uh, the province you know without will the province address the issue of class composition? Well, I mean they'll eventually have to because I you know I, I think that they'll the teachers will win in the courts again. Um, it's 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 um, I, I think they're just sort of delaying the inevitable in some ways, um, and but also I think in 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 the hopes that maybe they can we can um, the teachers union itself in the process um, as well as you know increase the movement of of, uh, of families into private systems mm-hmm. as well as increasing the needs. Uh, you know, they're increasing the pressures on districts to to accept corporate funding, like yeah. we've just seen with the Chevron funding. Can, can so, you go into um, that? But and, I stay, yeah. I stay, I stay, I stay positive. Though I, yeah. I, I was just, for instance, I was just out on on the picket line uh, in in solidarity with the teachers, and and whether it was people riding by on bikes or in cars, um, uh, on foot, people were just uniformly supportive. It's it's uh, the level of support, of public support out there for the teachers is is extraordinary, and I think it's public support for public education itself. People understand what's at stake. I want to just go quickly back to that, and I think it's an important issue that uh, I, I would imagine a lot of people aren't aware of. But uh, this uh, this idea of corporate funding of of public education, can you uh, touch on that briefly? Well, I'm Ed, part of part of the the impact, not just here, but you know, it's a global thing, of of um, defunding public education is that in order for it to continue, there's um, school districts, individual schools, um, individual teachers are 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 being forced to look elsewhere for the resources to be able to continue um, to provide the education that that the children deserve. So. Um, and so you have, you know, it it it, it ranges from everything from 
um, you know, parents fundraising, teachers putting in money from their own pockets to, uh, you know, your neighborhood businesses, which all sounds, you know, fairly, uh, fairly mild until you, you actually see to what extent that money is making up um, a, an incredible funding shortfall. But also there's, you know, really strong moves by uh, by corporations to try and move in. The most uh, the most recent one that that's gotten a fair amount of coverage has been uh, uh, Chevron's um, refueling education program, which is a is a North American program which uh, teachers apply for grants to uh, that, that Chevron itself approves uh, to to fund uh, various projects in their schools, and it's. It's it, the amount of money a district gets is dependent on how much uh, Chevron gas is bought in that district. When people buy their gas, they're told mm. they're, you know, that such and such amount of money is going to schools. And you know, what does that, what you know, will teachers that accept those funds feel the same uh, freedom to teach critically around issues of? of the environment um you know like what kind of subtle pressures does that put on a school district when schools uh accept those sorts of monies vancouver uh, rejected that those funds but uh, other districts like coquitlam happily accepted the money um mm-hmm. and uh you know it's 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 not even just money that just goes into some sort of general pool it specifically goes into projects that chevron has to say on so it's a it's yeah, it, it's yeah. an example of just how dangerous um, the the issues of corporate funding are. Yeah, I want to also um, discuss, and this is uh, uh, something that you've been um, really you have led the charge on, and that's around um, uh, sexual orientation and gender identity policy at the VSB and the work around uh, homophobia and transphobia. Um, uh, fighting that in the school district. Can you talk about uh, some of the recent work and uh, changes that have happened in Vancouver around that? Yeah, um, Vancouver adopted its policy, one of the first uh, districts in the country to adopt a a policy that uh, uh, around uh, harassment and uh, on the issues of harassment on the basis of, of sexual orientation and gender identity and expression and uh, and was a quite a comprehensive policy in terms of um, uh, it had an action plan um, with it in terms of how this was going to be carried out um, and uh, it was support for you know it was a comprehensive in terms of staff and uh, families and uh, a, a very good policy for its time but that was back in 2004 but and at that time it was quite groundbreaking but even after, you know, shortly after it was adopted, um, trustees like myself started to hear directly from uh, students and families and uh, and staff in schools that um, there wasn't enough being done around uh, students that were struggling with issues of gender nonconformity, students that um, either, you know, either identified as trans or just you know, gender creative or, or a whole number of, of uh, ways they felt they, they identified about them, themselves and that we didn't have, we didn't have um, policy in place that really supported those students. So issues like them, students feeling extraordinarily uncomfortable in, 
in washrooms so much so that they'll go all day without using a washroom. Um, I've heard from medical staff that, that students were, you know, a- actually damaging their bladders by, because of, of their terror of using, mm-hmm. of using washrooms where they um, were experiencing harassment mm-hmm. um, and, and uh, uh, horrible harassment and uh, examples of harassments in, 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 um, uh, changing rooms and uh, it, it 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 was clear that we needed some specific um, uh, you know actions taken to to ensure that the schools really are um, safe and welcoming for all students that you can say that that's what they are but if you don't take the if you don't take the steps to accommodate students in terms of their needs it's it's the same issue as it is for students that have special needs we wouldn't think of 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 building a school without uh, wheelchair accessibility now it's the same thing in terms of having washrooms that are accessible to those students um but we're experiencing a, 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 a an unexpected level of backlash it's an organized backlash um against this policy and it's um there's a lot of a lot of misinformation around it, and I, and some of it goes. Uh, to be honest, I think some of the some of it goes to the fact that the school board, for uh, you know, for all the t- years that I've been around, has just never done adequate job of translation of of materials. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a district that is as lingually diverse as Vancouver is, I. Um, I have always found it very frustrating that there's been a constant refusal to put the funds necessary into translation as there should be. So mm-hmm. what's happened this time around um, is that people's um, version of what this policy is all about has been translated into uh, into Chinese and and spread throughout that ethnic community through a whole variety of of sources um through websites and emails etc and when you know understandably if a parent reads um if their only source of information about something in their own language that they can you know fully understand tells them the incredibly awful things that are being said about this policy things like students are going to be given hormone blockers in school and and encouraged to get surgery um without their parents you know consent which is just so far away from from what the policy is about but if that's what they've been told and what they've read it's almost it's very difficult to then unconvince them of that because then it's the assumption is that that everything that they hear after that point is a lie because what they've heard is just so terrifying. So you know some of it is some of it's political, some of it's religious. But uh, I, I think that in some ways the the uh, what I would actually say has been systemic racism in the school board under uh, under boards of all political stripes, mm-hmm. and that you know that's exhibited itself in terms of not putting. Um, communication funds into translation and interpretation um, is it comes back to haunt every once in a while, and this yeah. is this is one of those times. But of course, you also have you have NPA trustees that are that are actively uh, fanning fear and uh, um, in in uh, in parents in the in the district um, and 
it's it's creating a a, a really um, a really difficult time, and I don't think it. You know, I think that if people actually understood what the policy is about, that it's about, uh, you know, just making schools places where students um, really do feel included. It's a question of inclusion. And, right. you know, I think in our society, we're, we're at a point where we support inclusion. Right. Uh, it's, it's, um, but uh, anyway. Absolutely. That's... that's that's uh, so. There's a one more one more public uh, consultation on that. It'll be the third sets of con- a public consultation. That's um, Thursday, the 29th at five at the school board, and then um, there's a uh, committee um, education and student services committee uh, meeting where the uh, trustees and uh, education stakeholders that sit on that committee will be uh, discussing um, what to do with the uh, with this revised policy. Right. Um, and uh, and then hopefully it'll go to the that that meeting's on the 11th of June, and then hopefully it'll go to the board on the 16th and uh, and be passed, and uh, and uh, you know we can breathe a, a sigh of relief that uh, we're moving forward. There's policies like this even in Edmonton, um, so it's it's vancouver won't be being groundbreaking if they pass this they'll just be catching up <laughs> right right <laughs> jane are there ways that you would suggest that uh, people that do support uh, public education or teachers and students um, and support workers and everyone that makes uh, public education um, happen how how can people support uh, support public education well, I mean, I think that that uh, you know the big thing is to you know while if, you know while the the, uh, the 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 rotating strikes are are on to go out and uh, show your support at uh, picket line if you can before you you know if if you've got the t- some time in your day to just stop by your neighborhood school and let them know that that uh, that they have your support uh, writing letters uh, to the editor. Um, uh, writing letters to your MLAs, um, but also looking to see if there's something you can be involved in. Um, uh, some of us have organized a, a, an organization called the Public Education Project, and uh, uh, we're we're uh, trying to uh, organize around these issues and with the name of of um, of running candidates in the civic election that raise the issue of public education just by itself Mm -hmm. Um, and and in the hopes that in a time when public education is under such intense attack that we can help make education more of an issue rather than it just being lost in uh, in civic politics Uh, we're usually once the election's called usually people even if there's even if there's a strike on, people will stop thinking about public education and be focused on what's happening with mayor and council, and those are important issues. But uh, I'm hoping that people don't forget about public education in the upcoming elections. Absolutely. If people and if people want to uh, to get involved in the public education project, they can uh, get a hold of me. Probably the easiest place to do that rather than giving out a bunch of phone numbers etc would be to to find me on facebook okay and i can uh, certainly post a link um or information about getting in touch with you and others uh on the program's sure. website 
Sure, sure. We, uh, the, the Public Education Project is just in the process of setting up our website. We don't have it up yet, okay. so can't uh, can't give you a link for that yet. But okay. uh, can can uh, can tell people to to uh, to look for me on uh, on Facebook, or you can even uh, email me at at uh, my name is Jane Bowie, all one word at Shaw.ca as well. And you're also on Twitter as well, is that right, Jane? Yes. That's okay. Right.
Barber on the city. This is CITR 101.9 FM, CITR.ca, syndicated on CJSF 90.1 FM, and that's CJSF.ca. Also available as a podcast at thecityfm.org. Thanks so much for tuning in. On the program, uh, we're discussing public education and the current uh, job action and uh, why, I guess, to put it very bluntly, why public education matters. And we had a, a really interesting conversation with Jane Bowie, and she's a longtime public education advocate. 
and a former Vancouver school board trustee. So if you missed any part of that uh, conversation or you want to check it out again, uh, you will find that at thecityfm.org in a few days' time. So check it out again, www.thecityfm.org. And that wraps it up, uh, just about wraps it up for the hour. Uh, the City is here on CITR and syndicated on CJSF. And uh, again, if you missed any uh, portion of the program or if you want to check out uh, past podcasts, you can go to thecityfm.org. Um, you can also find a link off of the CITR uh, website as well as the CJSF uh, website as well. And uh, we're here Tuesdays, 5 p.m. Uh, and syndicated on, sorry, sorry uh, 5 p.m. Tuesdays on CITR, I should tell you what station, and also syndicated um, as well on CJSF on Fridays, 10 a.m. Uh, to 11 a.m. And be sure to follow the program on Twitter. Uh, that handle is the city underscore FM and on Facebook as well by searching the city critical urban discussions um, as well. You can uh, Google search or search any of this um, if you're trying to find it. You can find the program as a podcast, as I mentioned, on the website, thecityfm.org. I'm Andy Longhurst. Uh, Thank you so much for tuning in and uh, enjoy the sunshine here in Vancouver. And we'll be back next week with more critical urban discussions. Have a great one. Take care now.
deep-seated core Like an apple Like an hour.